Hello and welcome to another episode of SoccerCast Chicago. I'm your host, Alex Campbell, and I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is that on Thursday, I had the chance to talk to Chicago Fire midfielder Michael Azira about his personal soccer journey and his foundation and the work he is doing back in his native Uganda. The bad news is that due to an issue with my computer and recording software, the audio quality is terrible and it's not something I'm okay with publishing. I did my best to transcribe our conversation, which you can find in the link in this episode's description, or you can just go to alexcampbellsports.com. My thanks to Michael for taking the time and to the fire for setting the interview up. Hopefully in the future, I'll be able to have Michael back on the show. We can have a proper podcast interview and I can set things right. Meanwhile, there's been a lot of soccer going on and I still wanted to put out a podcast today. So I'm going to be talking about two big wins, the Red Stars 4-1 victory over Sky Blue FC and the Fires 4-0 win versus the Houston Dynamo, both at home this week. After dropping their first game of the fall series versus the Washington Spirit, Red Stars back in a big way this past weekend at home in Bridgeview again, 4-1 winners. Kalia Watt was far and away the player of the game with two goals and generally causing havoc for the Sky Blue defense. She's got Sarah Lubert to thank, who had the assist on both goals, and the two of them really seem to be working well together, and they interchanged positions at times. Kaylee Watts starting up top, Lubert starting on the left, but we often saw them flip with one another. Zoe Gorowski and Vanessa DiBernardo had the other goals. Gorowski's was was the result of a heads-up play, plus a misjudgment by Sky Blue keeper Diana Haracic that just left the net wide open for Gorowski to have a tap-in. DiBernardo's goal, a perfect finish into the bottom corner off a great pass by Watt. So he has two goals and an assist on the day for Kalia Watt. I also thought the tactics from the Red Stars were really interesting in this game. Nominally, it was the usual 4-2-3-1 that they've been playing. The back four on this day was Cameron Biagalski, Zoe Morse, Sarah Gordon, and Bianca St. George. Midfield business as usual with Danny Colaprico, Morgan Gatra, and Vanessa DiBernardo. And then Lubert on the left, Gorowski on the right, and Watt up top. But in possession, it became almost a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2. Bianca St. George pushed very high on the left. And Gorowski, who's played mostly as a fullback this year, at least in the Challenge Cup, was almost playing as a right wing back rather than a right winger. Um, sometimes Bernardo floated into the right channel, kind of forming a front three. And other times, she stayed central and Lubert drifted in field. Closer to Watt, again with St. George pushing so high, Lubert just kind of shifted more to the middle and at times almost formed a front two with Kalia Watt. Um, from, an, from an attacking perspective, this definitely worked well, and they also utilized Sarah Gordon as kind of a quarterback from the left side of the back three. Her passing ability really allowing the Red Stars to stretch Sky Blue, and basically every buildup they had started with Sarah Gordon from that left center back-ish position. Sky Blue did get the first goal of this game, which came off a spilled shot by Alyssa Nair, and it was tapped in by Ifeoma Anamanu. Anamanu was causing a lot of problems early, and at 5'10", she's got six inches on Sarah Gordon, which created quite the height mismatch, but Sky Blue just couldn't quite provide her with consistent service, but also credit to Sarah Gordon, Zoe Morse, and the Red Stars' defense, for marshalling her better as the game went on. Um, Midge Purse was mostly a non-factor in this game for Sky Blue, which I think is partly down to the way that Sky Blue played. She often looked kind of caught in between, 
tracking back to help defensively and staying high as kind of an outlet for counterattacks. Um, but also, I think you've got to give credit to the Red Stars for good game planning and defense collectively. I would at some point be really interested to see Sky Blue play a Midge Purse, Ifeoma Anamanu, Mal Pugh front three. I don't know where you shift Paige Monahan in that scenario, but I just think it would be fun. The Red Stars' next game is this Saturday on CBS. Yes, big CBS. National television this weekend for the Red Stars against the Washington Spirit once again, so be sure to check that out. That's at noon Chicago time on Saturday. As for the Fire and their big win on Wednesday, let's start with the goals. The opener from Robert Barrich off a hell of a ball by Johnny Bornstein. Great finish by Barrich, who looked really up for it from the beginning of this game. He actually had an earlier effort saved by Marich, the Houston goalkeeper. A header from point-blank range that I thought for sure was going in. But that's 3-3 three and three for Chicago's Slovenian striker, and he's really rounding into form as the designated player the Fire were hoping he would be. Second goal, Fabian Erbers. Find someone who loves you the way that Fabian Erbers loves scoring at Soldier Field. That's his third of the season at home. And watching it back, there's just this ridiculous deflection that leads to the ball falling at Ignacio Alisada's feet with a bunch of space in front of him, and he just threads a perfect pass through for Erbers. The third goal, Alvaro Madron with an absolute golazo off amazing run that eventually he slots into the bottom corner and sure, he gets a bit of a lucky bounce off a Houston defender near the end, but who cares? It's a great run, it's a great goal, and when Madron is on his game, he is so damn fun to watch. That's an MLS goal of the season nominee for sure right there. We actually thought that Georgi Mihailovic had maybe one-upped him just a few moments later with a sweet curling outside with a foot first-time finish, but it was rightly called back because Fabian Erbers was offside in the goalkeeper's way, VAR overturning that. Speaking, though, of VAR, that incident where the ball goes off Figueroa's hand is a penalty kick every day of the week. It doesn't matter it was an accident. His arm is nowhere near his body, and he plays it off his hand. Now, if it hadn't been called initially and the play goes on, maybe I understand it more. We've seen that before where an incident like this happens. The referee immediately waves it away, and everyone just kind of moves on. But the ref gives this as a penalty. And then to go to the screen and say that this was clearly and obviously the wrong call, I think is absurd. Um, the fire have gotten the rotten end of some reviews lately, but thankfully on the night it did not matter. They actually got some favorable judgment from VAR later in the game that led to the fourth goal, a penalty kick called as CJ Sapong was brought down just outside the area. You, you look at the replay, the foul's not in the box, but whatever. Marich saves Sapong's initial penalty, but then the review comes in again and says that marriage was off his line. So the penalty kick is retaken and this time CJ Sapong scores with a perfect penalty into the side netting. And then he gets to do one of the favorite goal celebrations in the soccer world. Ball under the shirt, thumb sucking to indicate that he is, yes in fact, a new dad. Congratulations to CJ and his fiance on the birth of their daughter. And who per an Instagram post from CJ on Thursday is now breathing all on her own, smiling, following complications from being born premature. Looks like she's making excellent progress, continuing to wish him and his family all the best. Uh, other thoughts I have on this game. I said from the beginning that I wanted to see Ignacio Aliceta play out wide, and I thought he looked really good there. He did drift in field at times, like on the Erbers goal, but in general, I thought he was really dangerous in that game. 
creating those 1v1 matchups that Rafael Wicke has talked about trying to set up for him. So all in all, a really good performance on the left wing from Aliceta. That also connects to how comfortable Fabian Erbers looked as the number 10. At times, he was pushing forward into what I think is his best role, and that's as a second striker. He talked post-game about how well he and Barrett work together. He also has an ability to drop back. He talked about this in the post-game press conference as well, that he that when the fire don't have the ball, he can kind of become an auxiliary number eight and give the team more solidity on defense. So him playing in that advanced midfield role instead of someone like Aliceta certainly seems to give the fire more continuity, more flexibility, and Herbers just seems to have a really good innate understanding of what his role is in that spot. I also thought Georgi Mihailovic had a very good game outside of his wonder strike that did not count. He's an excellent presser in a wing position. He provides balance with Aliceta on the opposite wing because like Herbers, he can also drop deeper and help defensively. He did get subbed off with an injury. Hopefully he's okay for this weekend. Um, Right now, looking at that team for the fire, I think that's probably their best 11. Another point I wanted to make was that Johnny Bornstein got the start at left back in this game instead of Miguel Angel Navarro. And if you're going to play Aliceta on the wing, I think that's the right decision. Navarro, as I've said, very young, young, exciting, promising player. But he's a bit more offensively inclined than defensively inclined as far as fullbacks go, where Bornstein, veteran, defense-first, lockdown sort of guy, and given that Aliceta is probably not going to track back a whole lot, I think it's the right choice to have him there. So at the moment, I think this is the Fire's best 11, and depending on Mihailovic's injury situation, I assume we will see a very similar, if not identical, 11 this weekend against Atlanta United, the Fire's schedule for the rest of the season recently announced, so it's very much home stretch right now. They are on the bubble of this expanded MLS playoff picture for 2020, but with a win like they had this week against Houston, hopefully they can propel that forward. It's something that Wiki and multiple players talked about after this game. They're hoping that this game can finally be kind of the spark they need to find some consistency and go on a bit of a run. So again, Lots of Chicago soccer this weekend. Red Stars against the Spirit. Fire against Atlanta United. Be sure to check those games out. And again, also, please, please go check out the transcript of my interview with Michael Azira. I would really appreciate it. Again, it will be, you know, if you found this on your podcast app, a link to our conversation will be there. It will also be in any tweets or Instagram or Facebook posts I put out. Or you can also go to alexcampbellsports.com. Please also look up Michael's foundation and the great work they're doing. Again, the web address for that will be posted everywhere as well. It's at azeramichaelyouthfoundation.org. Really doing some great work. You can find them on Twitter and Instagram as well. So again, please go read that conversation. I'd really appreciate it. Again, a huge thank you to Michael Azira for taking the time, even though I wasn't able to share that interview with you all as I would have hoped. That's all I've got for today, but like I said, lots more soccer this weekend. I've got a few other guests in the pipeline that I'm trying to set up. There's been a few scheduling difficulties on that front, but definitely more stuff coming up on the pod that I'm very excited about. Thank you so much for listening to this abbreviated edition of SoccerCast Chicago. I'm Alex Campbell, and I will talk to you soon.